The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg Sound On. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Bloomberg Sound On. On with Kevin Cirilli, live from the Democratic presidential debate in Westerville, Ohio, on Bloomberg Radio. Welcome to Westerville. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I'm standing live inside of the CNN New York Times debate spin room hall, where in just a couple of hours, the next Democratic presidential debate continues with 12, 12 contenders vying to take the nominee. Now, all eyes will be on Senator Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, and a host of others make their name. We're going to have an all-star group of political insiders here inside of the spin room live from Westerville, Ohio, to navigate through this. Plus, Hunter Biden. Will Hunter Biden, he's not on the stage, but will his name come up? Lots to get through. Wendy Benjaminson's here, Bloomberg News political editor. But first, Joe Biden. Everybody's talking about Hunter. Elizabeth Warren, everyone's talking about can she really be the front runner? And Bernie Sanders, everyone's talking about can he stay in this race? What are you looking for from the big three? Well, I'm looking for uh, to see if the his Democratic colleagues uh, will go after him about any concerns about poor judgment in, in having Hunter be on these boards. Hunter Biden admitted this morning on Good Morning America, as we all know, that uh, that in hindsight it was a mistake for him to be on that. Uh, on those boards of companies in Ukraine and the private equity fund in China. Um, we are looking for Elizabeth Warren to maybe uh, start acting like a front runner instead of the, you know, the nice person on the stage. I was really struck by that. And coming up, we're going to check in with Adam Green, who's a Warren World insider. I also spoke earlier this afternoon with Nina Turner, who's a top official with the Bernie Sanders campaign. And I asked her, to, to your point about Elizabeth Warren, I'll play for you a little bit of that coming up, but she's told me that Bernie Sanders is prepared to draw contrasts from the other candidates. And on the issue of Joe Biden, she said that Hunter Biden is going to be up to voters. That's very different, Wendy. You and I do this. You know, you look at what all the different folks are saying. That's different from what Pete Buttigieg said from Cory Booker, what he had to say, which was Hunter Biden's off limits. No, not, not necessarily, according to Bernie Sanders. That's right. And a couple of others, including Kamala Harris and some others, have sort of obliquely come at Biden on this by saying things like, well, I wouldn't let my vice president have a child who was on a board, but, but whatever Joe and Hunter Biden did is okay with me. And so there's this sort of, you know, we're not going to touch him, but we are going to touch him. And the Biden campaign this week is, as 
Bloomberg News reported, did sort of warn the other candidates on stage not to go after him and Hunter, so that that would be party disloyalty. Plays? How does that play? I mean, is it party disloyalty or is it welcome to the party? I mean, I'm from an Irish-Italian Catholic household. <laughs> I mean, a little, a little disagreement goes a long way where I'm from. Absolutely. And remember, while they're all focusing on running against Trump, Remember that voters have to pick one of them first to be right. the nominee. And so it is about time for them to start distinguishing amongst themselves. All right, let's let's hear from a little bit of Hunter Biden, uh, who won't be on the debate stage tonight, but it feels like... He will be in spirit. <laughs> exactly, maybe even more so than Trump. Take a listen to what he told ABC News, which aired uh, with, with ABC's Amy Robach uh, in his first, first public interview about whether or not or how he would he would conduct business if his dad becomes president. Here's Hunter Biden. Take a listen. I've committed that I won't serve on any boards or I won't work um, uh, directly for any foreign entities when my dad becomes president. But why didn't he make that? I, I, the natural follow-up for Joe Biden is why wasn't that in place when you were vice president, Wendy? That's right. Well, there aren't a lot of rules about the children of top administration officials. It's all supposed to be, you're supposed to know it when you see it, if it's an appearance of a conflict of interest. But the truth is that, yes, Hunter Biden was on the board of a company in Ukraine, but a year after the investigation into the company, not into Hunter Biden, was dormant. His father carried out U.S. policy against the prosecutor. But there is no... It, whatever the White House says, it wasn't Hunter Biden's work that was under investigation. It's 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 really fascinating because it, it really gets to the heart of this, this cultural issue in America right now about adult children uh, serving in political or business dynasties. Well, exactly. And, you know, the president doesn't really have to look farther than his own family. He did not divest himself from the Trump organization, and his two sons are still running that business. And Ivanka Trump's clothing line was getting trademarks from China, and then she, that night, had dinner with Xi so, Jinping at Mar-a-Lago. So you're from Texas. Yes. And Texas, like Pennsylvania, where I'm from, is, is a bit of an <laughs> aggressive like political... <laughs> it, it, it can be politically tense at times. Yes. So is this a way for Republicans to, to equalize the issue or to neutralize the issue of the Trump family by targeting the Biden family? That, that could be it if, if there was a strategy behind this. Yes, I think that could be well, it. Well, let me, because Hunter Biden's saying it's all noise. So here's more of Hunter Biden in that ABC News exclusive. Take a listen. It's all noise. And what they do is they create just an enormous amount of noise. I have to then answer questions about accusations made by probably the most unethical group of people that we've ever seen in this republic. And then he goes on to say that being attacked by the Trump orbit is an asset. Here he is again. Being the, the subject of Donald Trump's ire is a feather in my cap. It's not something that I go to bed nervous about. Should his father be nervous about it, though, as, as he's still in a crowded field? I don't know. I mean, I think the Biden campaign has done a pretty good job of, of pushing this off and saying this is about Trump, this isn't about me, nothing to see here, folks. He has sort of had some really good message discipline about that. What, what would concern me if I were them is people going into the voting booth in Iowa and New Hampshire and going, okay, which Democrat do I want to vote for? Wasn't there something exactly. about Biden and Ukraine? I don't know. I'm going to vote for Elizabeth Warren. That's what they should be worried and about. And you look at these polls, and Elizabeth Warren now, according to the Morning Consult, we always have our, our good friend Eli Yokley on from the Morning Consult to break down those numbers, now has Elizabeth Warren as the top second-choice candidate for Joe Biden and 
for Bernie Sanders. I was struck by those polls. Exactly, and while many of our colleagues are calling Elizabeth Warren the clear frontrunner, she is still in a statistical tie. I think in the real clear politics average of polls, she is 0.2 percentage points ahead of, ahead of Biden. But you know what? If she does well tonight, that could become an actual lead. Wendy Benjamin since here. She's Bloomberg News Politics Editor. We're here live in Westerville, Ohio at Otterbein University. That's my big takeaway tonight. I think if, 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 if Senator Elizabeth Warren is poised to have a strong night, she becomes, without question, the front runner. She absolutely could. We'll just have to see yeah. how Biden does as well. And so in that contrast, uh, and in that contrast, in terms of national security, that's another thing that I'm going to be watching for tonight. Absolutely. Um, this could be one of the rarest Democratic debates where foreign policy in a current war actually takes center stage. This, uh, the business going on in Syria with Turkey and the Kurds, you know, Biden was, um, uh, Biden wasn't very much involved in the Obama administration's Syria policy. He actually uh, opposed right. Obama on some of the policies. And so it'd be interesting to see him take lead as a future commander in chief. Waiting in the wings, Karen Finney, as well as Adam Green. Much more with Wendy Benjaminson. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg, and this is Bloomberg. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli, live from the Democratic presidential debate in Westerville, Ohio, on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I'm here in Otterbein University, just outside of Columbus, Ohio. I'm a Penn Stater, but I'm in Ohio State University territory, folks. Meanwhile, we're in Westerville is the name of the actual actual town and here at Otterbein University they've converted their gymnasium into the spin room the spin room where the fourth democratic presidential debate when it's over the candidates will come in here and spin us to try to say they all won but you can't spin my panel because the panel has been around the block a time or two and they know a thing or two about politics Wendy Benjaminson's still here she's Bloomberg News politics editor Adam Green returns the Warren World Insider and the progressive camp, the progressive change campaign committee chairman, and then uh, <laughs> I don't believe his mic's on. Let me just make sure his mic's on. And Karen Finney making her Bloomberg Radio debut, Democratic strategist, former senior advisor on the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign, and senior advisor to Stacey Abrams campaign. What's Stacey been up to? She is actually uh, protecting our votes. That's what she, she's focused on both uh, action in Georgia, because remember she actually, as she points out, she is the, I, she's the rightful governor of Georgia, uh, but making sure that there are actual reforms around uh, voter protection, and she's working on voter protection in a couple of states. What are you going to have your eye on tonight? So I want to see if, if Warren and Biden can kind of not be distracted by the noise of the other candidates, focus on their, they don't even need to go after each other. Focus on your own message, focus on Trump, talk about what you would do for the country. Voters are going to be looking for who's going to be a good steward of the economy, who's going to be our commander in chief. And, you know, they have an opportunity also to create a stature gap because of their experience both in domestic and foreign policy. So just do that. Don't worry about the rest of it. We'll see if it works. Adam, I want to pick up on something that Karen just alluded to, which is foreign policy. You and I have talked about this both on and offline about how Senator Warren has begun talking more openly about her 
foreign policy vision. You saw it a little bit in the last debate where she talked about her brother serving in the military, but there feel, feels to be more emphasis on foreign policy for tonight's debate given the president's actions of troop withdrawal from Syria in the last week. Yeah, well, Elizabeth Warren has a core message, which is taking on corruption, fighting for everyday people, which can tie very easily into foreign policy as we take on the military industrial complex, not get driven to war because big corporations donate money to political campaigns. So I expect her to kind of carry her normal themes into this debate. I mean, honestly, the strategy for Elizabeth Warren is keep doing what you're doing, right? So far, she is the only major candidate that has not had a flash in the pan, sugar high moment. She's put point by point on the board by just repeating her core message connecting her personal story of struggle to her big ideas to help families. And in her ideal world, she'll, she'll just get that out tonight. So it sounds to me like the two of you actually think of this now as a Biden-Warren race. You're saying don't worry about the others. I mean, Buttigieg is nipping at their heels trying yeah. to come up. Kamala Harris is still kind of sort of alive. And sure. I don't want to say use those words about Bernie Sanders. He is he is physically yeah. <laughs> doing much better, but also still in third place. Sure. But do you guys think of this as a Biden-Warren race? Well, I just think it's clear that they are the clear front runners. And then there's sort of, you know, those folks who are in the middle. And so absolutely, the people in the middle are going to try to have a moment, are going to try to get a bump coming out of this. Tom Steyer's <laughs> making his debut, Karen. Yeah, I, I, oh boy. You know, I th here's the, ch I'll tell you, here's the challenge. Each of these debates has kind of had a rhythm to them, and the conversation has moved on in each one. And I got to say, when you're the first at the fourth, when it's your first time at the fourth debate, I think he's going to sound and feel like, you know what, we're just past that. We're not even there anymore. Yeah, that, that will likely be awkward. I'm keep my eye on Pete Buttigieg. You know, yeah. he is someone who's been a rising star. I like you know him personally and a lot of his ideas. But what we've seen in the last 48 hours is a number of attacks from the right by Pete on other candidates, attacking Beto on guns for being bold, attacking Bernie and Warren for Medicare for all, uh, using you know uh, trumped up arguments, things that polling polling shows that his arguments are easily debunked if our side makes the case. And he, he unfortunately is repeating right wing talking points. So Adam, I hope he doesn't do that. Too. Adam, Adam, to to that point, Wendy and I were talking about this earlier about one thing that he didn't attack which was Hunter Biden. That's right. He does seem to be staying away from that. However, I think what he's doing is seeing himself as the alternative. The, what, the Hunter Biden is sort of part of it because I think he's seeing if Biden goes down because of Hunter or because of anything else, the age concerns, the retro comments, all the other things that were giving Biden problems before, Pete Buttigieg comes in soaring on his white horse as the new moderate candidate to counter Sanders and Warren. Yeah. So I think one dirty little secret or not secret of this election is that this there's is not why, really... Get ready, folks, because Adam <laughs> Green's about to pull back the curtain. What did they say? They're going to pull back the curtain. Go ahead. There's not really a progressive lane in a conservative or moderate lane. You know, we've, we've done a lot of surveying of our own members. Many progressive voters are parked with Joe Biden just because they think he can win. Mm. They're not rooting, you know, if he goes down, they're not rooting for someone to be worse on guns and to be against Medicare for all and for insurance companies. They would actually prefer a progressive who can win. And so that's why I think Pete two. is actually not positioning himself Warren well. Warren Karen is the number, two, is the first choice is the first second choice among Biden? Did I say that right? Yes, you did. For Biden and for uh, for Biden and for Bernie voters. Why is that? I, look again. I think she has done the hard work of campaigning. She is an excellent communicator. She has gone to places like West Virginia that were unexpected. And I tell you, she's very popular among African American voters. It's slow and steady wins the race potentially. All right, coming up, much more with the political all-star panel: Karen Finney, Adam Green, Wendy Benjaminson. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast. 
podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. I'm in Ohio, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli, live from the Democratic presidential debate in Westerville, Ohio, on Bloomberg Radio. What did Tim Russert used to say with the whiteboard? Ohio, Ohio, Ohio. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and I'm live from Westerville, Ohio, inside of Otterbein University's gymnasium, which has been converted into the CNN New York Times debate spin room. We're just hours away from the fourth Democratic presidential debate, and we've got an all-star panel to navigate through it. But first, how will Elizabeth Warren, Adam Green, Warren World Insider, how will she be able to win more independent voters, those 70,000 voters, who voted for Obama the first time and Trump the second time. So many, so, so many of the issues that Elizabeth Warren focuses on are actually not left versus right, they're inside versus outside, right? Anti-corruption is really the high watermark of that. You know, there are many angry Trump-based voters who can't stand corruption, let alone swing voters, right? The idea of social security. We've done the polling in Texas and Kentucky. Republican grandparents love their social security. They don't want cuts, they want expanded benefits to keep up with cost of living. Childcare, same thing. Republican grandparents, they want something for their kids so they can actually go to work. So a lot of things that, that she's doing are kitchen table issues that Republicans and Democrats care about, uh, not actually highly polarized issues. Karen Finney, I'm about to make your blood run cold because uh -oh. when I hear anti-corruption, I think back to when I was embedded with the Trump campaign and I heard uh, chants of drain the swamp. And so here we are with, I, I believe, Full week, swamp. Week, week, <laughs> week four or five of the impeachment inquiry. And we're just a couple of hours from the next debate. How will the impeachment inquiry play tonight on the debate stage? Because they're all technically in agreement and there doesn't really seem to be much differentiation on the issue of impeachment. However, where they can draw a broad contrast, which I think they absolutely should, is between how they would run their uh, White House and administration versus what we're seeing under the Trump administration. You saw Pete Buttigieg do that on Sunday on CNN with Jake Tapper. We've seen uh, Joe Biden's put forward an ethics plan. Obviously, I think he wants to be able to pivot and talk about that, making the point that you know his stun won't serve on any foreign boards of foreign companies. Hey, Donald Trump, how about you? Uh, and, and I think each of the other candidates has the opportunity because you know I agree with what Adam's saying about corruption. I mean, people understand that when big pharma is getting big dollars, that's part of why your healthcare, your prescription drugs cost more. Now we're able to say to people. And this president's corruption is impacting your life. It is making us less safe. It is actually meaning that other things are not getting done for you that he promised he would do. So with Hunter Biden on that on that particular point, because he was vice president. So what do you say to folks who are, are level headed and, and are trying to, to sort through the barrage of, of all of the headlines coming out on this and say, well, why was he on? The, why, 
why why wouldn't he serve on the board for vice why why okay so he's not going to do it for president but he did it for for vice president do you know what i'm trying to say i do but here this is where i think it's so important and I, you've seen the biden campaign do this and i know a lot of uh, folks in the media have been very good about making this point we're talking about something that happened several years ago when he was vice president there were some good government groups who were uncomfortable with it that was reported at the time so that conversation to some degree has happened and the investigation was of the company not of hunter biden but that's where Giuliani, why he's doing foreign policy, we don't know, and Trump have have tried to stir the pot. That's very different than where They're we are. They're stirring it. They sure are. However, where we are right now is a very serious impeachment inquiry where we are getting new revelations almost hourly. I mean, think about what we learned yesterday from Fiona Hill, just the little bits we've learned about how our national security may have been put in danger. Our relationship with Ukraine was compromised long before that call even happened. That's a little bit different. That's a lot different. And going to your point, Karen, about Hunter Biden's work and Biden's work representing the U.S., along with the EU, the International Monetary Fund, and everybody else on this, Victor Shokin, the prosecutor in Ukraine, is that we went back and looked at what people were saying at the time, and Republican senators, broad swaths of the Obama administration, um, the IMF, the European Union, they all wanted this guy gone, Shokin. And Obama assigned Biden to be the point person on this because Biden was vice president, remember, because Obama didn't have any foreign policy credentials. So he picked the chairman of foreign relations to be his vice presidential running mate and then made him the point person on a foreign policy issue. I can see it now in just a few short hours where they're all on stage and they're talking about the impeachment inquiry and Giuliani and Hanser and all of the back and forth, the, the, the ping pong, ping pong. And I just play it in Delco outside of Philly where I grew up. And I just see folks saying, I don't care. I care, but I don't care. What is Elizabeth Warren going to do for jobs or on USMCA or trade? Is she going to take that opportunity? Adam. Yeah, and one thing that she's very good at is zooming out to the 30,000-foot level, right? In the climate town hall when she was asked about straws and light bulbs, she focused the attention on the fossil. I'm on record. I think paper straws are a terrible idea. You are on record. (laughs) Thank you. You are on record. Thank you. Again. Thank you. (laughs) But, you know, she she zoomed out and was like, you know, this isn't about straws and light bulbs. This is about the fossil fuel industry, and I'm going to take them on right back to her core theme of systemic corruption, like Karen was saying. So I think that, honestly, in a moment where all Democrats agree, it's actually a great opportunity to compare and contrast who can make the case, who can define the big picture for voters, and let voters be like, oh, that's the person I want on stage. All right, I want to thank our all-star panel. Karen Finney, would you come back on Bloomberg Radio? You bet, why not? Now you're on record. Karen Finney, Democratic (laughs) strategist. Adam Green, good friend of the program. Thanks for coming on. And of course, Wendy Benjaminson, you're going to stick around for us, Bloomberg's politics editor. I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We check in with the DNC coming up, live from Westerville, Ohio, at Otterbein University. Beautiful beautiful campus. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on iHeartRadio, Radio.com and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli and this is Bloomberg. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli, live from the Democratic presidential debate in Westerville, Ohio on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I'm here at Otterbein University's gymnasium, where CNN and the New York Times have converted it into the spin room. I'm joined now by the Democratic National Committee's 
Deputy Communications Director Adrian Watson. Adrian, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And there's going to be a record number of candidates. How? Tell me about the what it takes to qualify to be one of the 12 contenders on the stage tonight. Make sure you hold that mic yeah. close. Yeah. So that's a good question. Uh, you know, throughout this process, we have been intent on making it transparent, fair, and most of all, inclusive. Uh, so we have set really low thresholds for the debates. You know, for the first two debates, we had 20 candidates, 10 on each night, uh, which was a lot, but everybody got an opportunity to tell their story. Uh, so this debate, the threshold has been 2%. Uh, you had to hit 2% in four polls, and you had to hit a grassroots fundraising number. Um, they had 36 opportunities. It was a really long polling window, so lots of polls. There were 36 of them, and you just had to hit 2% in four of them. So we feel like it's been a really fair threshold, really inclusive, and now it's resulted in uh, 12 people on one stage, which is a lot. But, uh, you know, one thing we learned in Houston was how much people like seeing all the candidates at once. I think Americans love debates, and I think it's good to, just to hear from everyone. You know, I, I actually see a lot of similarities from the Republican National Committee of the last cycle and this cycle. And look, I mean, you might disagree with this part, but I think Reince Priebus did the best he could do. And I think, I, I think Tom Perez, the chairman of the DNC, I mean, he's just under a barrage of criticism by like 20 presidential candidates. Totally, but you know, we had a much harder problem because they only had like 16 candidates, right? right? <laughs> only 16. Yeah, we had 24, which yeah. is difficult. Um, you know, it was that. It was also they insisted on having a, you know, JV and a varsity table, and we are Democrats, and our party is one that likes to see everybody <laughs> on the same stage um, and, and doesn't want to see like a, a kid table. So, so take us and play it forward for us, Adrian Watson, Deputy Communications Director for the Democratic National Committee. Play it forward for us in terms of where the next debates go. Do the thresholds get higher? Will the field winnow? Yeah, so for the November debate, the threshold is uh, 3% in four polls. Oh, wow. Um, a new four. thing in November, we're going to have an early state polling path. So there's two ways to qualify for the polling threshold. The point of that is, you know, we're getting to a point in the cycle where candidates are, uh, you know, making some really strategic decisions about how they spend their money. And if, if you're going all in on Iowa or New Hampshire, it might not reflect maybe as well in, in national polling. So we're trying to, to account for that. So you can also hit 5% in two, uh, two early state polls. All right, Adrian Watson, I've been told that you have to get back to the chairman, Tom Perez. So thank you for stopping by on Bloomberg Radio, Deputy Communications Director for the Democratic National Committee. We appreciate you coming on. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm joined now for some final thoughts by Adam Green, a Warren World Insider, a progressive Democratic strategist, and a co-founder of Bold Progressives, and Wendy Benjaminson. She, of course, is Bloomberg News politics editor. What are you going to be looking for tonight, Wendy Benjaminson? Well, I'm going to be looking to see how many of Joe Biden's rivals decide to bring up Hunter or give these sort of oblique you know, defense, not defenses of them. I'm going to be looking to see if Elizabeth Warren is going to push past that statistical tie. She seems a little bit stuck in with Joe Biden and come out as the front runner or not. And frankly, I'm going to be interested to see what Pete Buttigieg does because he has signaled to everyone that he's going to take the gloves off and he's going to be super tough on everybody. And if he has a breakout moment, that could be really interesting for the dynamics of the race. I All think. right. What about you, Adam? I'm looking at three things. First is how much can Elizabeth Warren get her core message out in a very limited environment where you know she only has a minute at a time and might get 10 minutes of total talking time. Two, how that much- That is remarkable that with 12 candidates, airtime is going to be very, very difficult for a three hour debate. It is remarkable, which is why I remarked about it. 
<laughs> Second, I'm looking at how, how many times Pete attacks other people from the right-wing perspective, using right-wing talking points. And the third, which we haven't mentioned yet, is you know I think we could actually have an opportunity for Bernie, Biden, and Warren to all face adversity in this debate, which is yeah. generalizable to the general election. It'll be interesting to see who can do political jujitsu, who can turn a liability into an asset, turn an attack into a strength, and who can. All right, so the political jujitsu, I, I, that's awesome. I'm going to take that from Adam, Wendy. So you've got Bernie you Sanders. It? No, I can't say it. I can't. I literally can't. I tried Just to try to take it. Buddy. I tried to plow through it. You know, I'm a runner. Yeah, I was so, watching you. You know, and I'm a runner. So, but but jujitsu. Uh, anyway, uh, so you've got Bernie Sanders on the health question. You got Elizabeth Warren on the. I think she she could get uh, attacked on Medicare for on all. On Medicare for and all. I don't have a plan. And, and whether you know, or not she posted it. And one thing we saw this past week was people questioned whether she was actually fired for being pregnant that, uh, as, as a teacher. Right. I don't think the other candidates will bring that up. That but was this week. Moderators could, and she she turned that into a strength, and it yeah. got, had women all across America clamoring to say, no, that actually happened today, let alone in the 70s. What about, and then Biden, obviously, with Hunter. So take us through the jujitsu minefield. I said it right that time, Wendy. Take you through. Oh, well, I think what we were just saying is that, you know, Joe Biden could... Um, needs to not make any retro statements. He needs to stay focused. He needs to be, you know, show some message discipline about Trump, about Elizabeth Warren, about Pete Buttigieg. He has to sort of watch those things. I would respectfully disagree with my uh, friend here, Adam Green, that um, being, you know, being interested in some people having private health insurance is not exactly right wing. I think that's sort of middle of the road, but uh -oh. the, um, we can have a fight about that on another show. But the um, from the right. Oh, it's, from it's, the right. It's not from the left. Oh, right? Well, that's true. He's not going to come out of the right. But he is going to try to present himself as a moderate alternative to to Biden. I'm really fascinated to see trade policy if that comes up, especially given the the contours of of the economic uncertainty that that a lot of economists are are questioning for the next 12 to 15 months. But I'm also, I've really got my eye on foreign policy because I think there's so much pressure on the, I call them the big three, Warren, Biden, and, and Sanders. But I think there's, Tulsi Gabbard, I think, could have a, a, a moment with regards to separating herself. I know, Wendy, you're, you're, she's, but she's in her own lane on foreign policy uh, on this. I think that that could be, it, that's something to watch for. Uh, because she's of that libertarian streak of the right. Democratic and Republican she is side. Definitely in her own lane. Yeah, definitely no, totally. in her own lane. And she holds status, which a lot of those people don't have, including Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, that she is a military veteran. Yep. And I think we have to listen to her perspective for that reason and that reason alone. She's been over there, she has fought over there. And the, um, but the, um, you know, but foreign policy is where Biden could really stand out because he was chairman of the Senate of Foreign Relations. He was yep. vice president. He did, um, you know, he did disagree with President Obama. He won't want to highlight that in the debate, but he did disagree with President Obama on Obama's Syria policy. And so this could be a real chance for him to show that he could be the commander in chief uh, with experience. What What do you say to, to, to Biden world? Uh, I'm sorry, to Bernie World, Adam, uh, that says that he was the OG Democratic Socialist and that Elizabeth Warren came after Bernie Sanders. Because that's the, you know this, as true as just, I mean, that's that's what they're, that's what they're insinuating is that he was there first and therefore this is his platform and he was, he was the original, not just as a contrast with Elizabeth Warren, but as a contrast with all the candidates. 
Yeah, well, first, he was the OG Democratic Socialist, and she doesn't claim to be a Democratic Socialist. True. Uh, was he the OG on... Oh, you're right. Actually, yeah, that's right? very important. She's what? never claimed to be a Democratic I mean, Socialist. She, she, she is yeah. firmly pro-market. A capitalist with right? a conscience, right? Was that is that her words? Yeah. So, you know, on Medicare for All, I think he gets due credit for catapulting that idea into the mainstream, and that's why she's with Bernie on that. But she, similarly, catapulted ideas like a wealth tax and canceling student debt and Glass-Steagall and expanding Social Security into the mainstream when they were out before. So I actually see them as a one-two punch on many progressive issues. I think it's actually beneficial to both to have each other on the debate stage. I think there's one element that we haven't talked about is that I I think, and this I could be wrong, but after the last four years, there's a lot of exhaustion. There's a lot of, we're all tired of the fighting. And you have to look voters may want to be looking for someone who will calm everything down just to turn the dial down a little bit and you know that is one thing bored. that joe biden talks about yes they want to be bored they don't want to think about the white house for maybe 20 minutes at a time and the question i think for candidates like warren and sanders and some and harris is would they calm everybody down i'll never forget this that's a great point buddy i'll never forget this it was one of the earliest events that i covered of senator elizabeth warren when she was just a freshman senator uh, on the senate banking committee and she gave a speech and it was titled banking should be boring <laughs> and she said that it needed to be simplified and that all of these rules uh, needed to be simple it's, it's it's interesting when's the pressure on these other lower tier candidates we just had adrian watson on what about these other candidates we're focusing so much on the big three like they've got all the pressure the bo bottom line is even if they bomb tonight they're not going to get out of the race i mean they've they're the front runners what about these lower tier candidates when's the pressure going to be on them adam to drop out yeah, I mean, and we got a minute left, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, different candidates have different imperatives, and those who are on a trajectory to nowhere right now need to change their trajectory. That means doing something to shake things up. Someone like Elizabeth Warren, if she just keeps doing what she's been doing, she's fine. So that's the breakdown. And I think there's a tipping point where you're deciding whether you're doing more reputational damage by staying in the race and persisting this, you know, uh, holy grail than you are... Uh, just getting out with some dignity. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. This was fun. Was thanks fun. for hanging out with me in Otterbein University in Ohio. And thanks to Otterbein University. They've been absolutely amazing hosts. We're here in Westerville, Ohio. Adam Green, Wendy Benjaminson. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes and Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. Full, continuing, complete coverage live from the fourth Democratic presidential debate. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Bloomberg Radio. And this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.